Welcome to the Courtside Hoops podcast. We're back again for another week. The three mainstays are with us tonight. Pat is off. Um, I think he's injured on injury reserve for tonight, but hopefully he'll be back again next week. So another big week in playoff basketball action. We're just going to recap what happened since our last pod. So the Lakers managed to close things out very professionally in game six at home um, with a wire-to-wire victory there, which was very impressive. The Sacramento Kings actually went into the Chase Center and took game six to force a game seven on their home floor. Um, unfortunately for me, I said if they were able to win game six, then they'll be lighting the beam in game seven. But the Warriors, with all their playoff experience, managed to get the job done on the road, which is very, very impressive in game seven. Steph Curry with a 50-piece, um, which we'll talk a little bit about. Um, and I believe that was all the series done. Oh, the Celtics ended up closing out the Hawks in game six to move on to the second round. So um, before we start talking about the second round matchups and the games that have happened um, in those, let's start with game seven in the Warriors-Sacramento series and Steph Curry's 50-piece. Um, where do we think that game ranks in terms of all-time Game 7 performances? Is it the first 50 in you know, Game 7? First 50-point game. The next best is yeah. a 45-piece by, uh, as we all would know, LeBron James. Yeah. I think it's – I mean, it's obviously up there in terms of where, where you would rank it. But I think what was most impressive about that is obviously, as you said, after the, um, the Kings came in and took Game 6 and were going home, like all of the pressure shifted to the Warriors, really. Like the the, the it, because of what they just did in Game Six, because they went on the road, because you know the Chase Center is a it was still called the Chase Center in uh, Golden State is a is a hard place to win at. Um, to to take that game the way they did was like oh, just got to go home now and you know take care of business. So for for Steph to have all the pressure on him to come out and go. Nah, this ain't happening. Like, I guess that context behind it makes the fifty even more so. Because as you know, and we've spoken about this plenty of times over the years, buckets. If you score fifty and you lose, doesn't mean anything. So to score fifty and oh, get no. a win, but also get a win with that context behind it, like in terms of Steph's game, uh, career, and he's had a lot of obviously ridiculous games. It's it's right up there, right up there, because of what was at stake. Tell us what are your thoughts on the fifty piece in Game Seven. Um, I mean, I, I I echo what what Reg says. It's um, especially I think the context of um, the Warriors have been such a horrible horrible road team this entire season. So um, even though you know I, I would have probably said in a Game Seven you probably give um, the underdog tag to Sacramento Kings, even though they were. Third seed, um, but you know, I guess playoff experience. Um, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, you know, that, like that team. You'd, you'd think coming to, coming into a game seven that you know um, you would think they might potentially have the edge, but then there's also just that their their ability to win on the road has been horrible this season. So, in that context, I think it's an amazing effort by Steph Curry. I mean, he shot, he got thirty eight FGAs up. Like he was, he was, he was launching. He so was launching. Not- it's not quite the Michael Jordan shot the ball forty three times. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> but I mean, I mean, still, still shot. Uh, you know, he got twenty out of thirty eight, fifty two percent from the field. 
I mean, he shot seven of eighteen from three at thirty-eight percent clip, which is still pretty pretty decent. And then shot sixty percent at the free throw line, which is not normally like Steffi normally is a hundred. So, um, you know, I think yeah, amazing, um, amazing game. I mean, the only thing is, so LeBron had his forty-five. Was that was that in the Eastern Conference Finals? That he had for the forty-five. Uh, no, semi-finals against Boston two eighteen uh, two oh eight. Um. I mean, I think the only thing you could take away from it was it's a it's a first round series. Um, you know, obviously dropping a fifty piece in a game seven in the Eastern Conference or Western Conference Finals would be an absolute amazing feat. Um, that's the only thing you could really say it was in the first round of the playoffs, which makes it, um, I guess, not less important. But you know, you want to drop a fifty piece in the in a Western Conference Final as opposed to the first round, or a game six to uh, win a championship like Giannis. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, what were your thoughts? What were your thoughts, Heath? I oh, look very impressive, um, and I think you just you're really just splitting hairs between game seven performances. Um, mm-hmm. As you say, you, you you look at it from a game um, in the first round, um, and look if they lose that game, I don't think you know the legacies of any of those players or that team really takes a hit. I think most would just say, look, the Golden State Warriors just were the end of their their tenure and um, a younger team able to get the best of them. So you take that into consideration in terms of like other Game 7s, like you look at the Game 7 of the 2016 Finals, LeBron um, and the Cavaliers. You look at the Game 7 of the 2013 playoffs um, with the Spurs. Um, even a Game 7 in that Boston series in 2012 in the Eastern Conference, in terms of what was at stake in those games if the team loses to the legacy um, of some of the players and the teams um, you take into consideration. But, look, at the end of the day, it's 1A, 1B, 1C for me um, Anytime you score 50 on the road um, to win a playoff series. Uh, you just tip your hat. And, uh, and I think it, it, again, just even more... Um, solidifies Steph's legacy post the Kevin Durant era. I think certainly winning that championship last year and a finals MVP took any of that um, narrative away that he wasn't able to perform in playoffs and um, he needed someone like Kevin Durant by his side to to win championships. And this is just another feather in the cap to say, no, Steph's legit regardless of who's on his team. He is an all-time great performer. Agreed. Um, so moving on to the Grizzlies Lakers, just to um, close the loop on that one, Reg, I believe you have some thoughts on Dylan Brooks now. For context of that, Dylan Brooks after game two, um, when they won, come out um, in the media taking shots at LeBron, calling him old, saying that he pokes bears, that he doesn't respect anyone until they give them forty, and basically from that point on, proceeded to play poorly to his standards in terms of his field goal percentage, especially from three. Uh, LeBron had the game-winning layup in overtime um, in game four on Dylan Brooks, um, and now reports coming out that he's not going to be brought back to the Grizzlies, and the fact that they um, lost the series, but when they lost games three and four and five, well, they won game five, but after they lost three and four, he didn't talk to the media. So very happy to talk to the media and take shots after a win, but then went out and didn't want to talk to them after the losses. So I'll throw it to you, Reg, on your thoughts on the whole Dylan Brooks situation. Sure, and I'll try to keep this uh, as nice as I possibly can. But 
I think there's some people who don't like the actions of someone like Dylan Brooks to begin with. Where, where I think I, I fall in that is I have no issues with him wanting to be a pest. I have no issues with pests. I have no issues with people who want to play the villain role. But you have to own it. I have significant issues if you then don't go and own it. Like you can't be, I'm going to be a pest. I'm going to be the guy everyone hates. I'm going to talk shit. And then as soon as it flips onto you, you go running. Like that That just really, really, really annoys me because like we wouldn't be talking about this if he had a front up to the media and said, ah, shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. You know, that's on me. Shouldn't have done that. Instead, he didn't even say anything to anyone, like just completely disappeared, left it to his teammates to go up there and have to answer questions about him and about things that he'd been saying. And obviously they're going to have his back as much as they possibly can, but it's it's cowardly to poke the bear and then run and leave it to your teammates to have to pick up the slack. And Jar said it in a, in a way without saying it, that there were things not on the court in this series that affected us. He's only talking about one thing. So again, no issue if you want to be a pest. Like, I, I as long as you put your hand up and say, "Yep, that's that." Yeah, that happened to me. The flip side, same thing. If if you if if you don't want to be a pest, if you want to be just someone who plays the game the right way and does everything right, you own whatever you do as well. Like, I've, I've got no issue one way or the other. Um, but you've got to own up to it. And I don't think he's I don't think he's a pest in terms of, um, as everyone knows, I'm not a fan of Grayson Allen. I don't think he's a pest in terms of <laughs> doing things that are dodgy or that are actually dangerous but you can't go and say stuff and then not not show up like that just i cannot stand that and i think he deserves all the criticism that he's getting because when it was there for him to front up and go yeah that's on me he didn't do it did not do it and we've seen players say oh look this game's on me this loss was on me over over the years and uh, like it's pretty hard to take for one player to take the full blame in a, in a team sport but Obviously, if they're a superstar, they play a significant role. But here's a guy who's not a superstar. He's a he's a role player, like an important one. Don't get me wrong. When they were good, like he was he was rocking. But you got to show up, mate. Like, and if I'm one of his teammates, I'm so pissed off at him. So I'm not surprised those reports have now come out saying there is no way known the Grizzlies are bringing him back. Yes, he certainly made some mistakes in the series. Um, certainly agree with. Pretty much everything you said there, you can get caught up in in the the win and thinking that you are further along as a team as you are, and then it can come back to bite you very very quickly. Karma has a, a way of, of evening out the score, and unfortunately, that looks to have happened to him. Now, look, I hope he gets another contract. Um, it appears he won't be at the Grizzlies. I, I hope this doesn't bump him out of the NBA because I feel like he's just he. He got caught up in himself, and that, and I think there's significant problems in the Grizzlies organization. Um, so I think you know he hasn't had great mentorship around him. So I do hope he can get another contract in the NBA and get another chance, and hopefully mature a bit. It'd be a shame if this was you know his last straw. But yeah, certainly as you say, if you're gonna if you're gonna play the role, you have to play a good, bad, or indifferent. Exactly. You, you know where he would really, really benefit. Don't you? Miami. Miami would yes. turn him into what they turn yeah, everybody yes. into. They would maximize him and they would not put up with his shenanigans. No way. No. 
No, it'd either be you'd either be there long term and, and really fit or in, or you'd be gone very quickly <laughs> yeah. out the door. Yeah, true. <laughs> and if you don't make it in Miami, you you, you see you in China. <laughs> uh, very true. All right, let's talk the semi-final matchup. So we've got the Miami Heat and the New York Knicks kicked us off with Miami Heat taking game one. Um, Jimmy Butler hurt his ankle late in the fourth quarter of that one, played out the game, but then missed game two, which the New York Knicks were able to come back and win that one on their home floor to tie the series one-to-one. Now, one of the huge benefits of that series, and I, I, I'm not sure why the scheduling's like this, but there's a big gap between game two and three. So they don't play again until Sunday our time, which is Saturday their time. So I think he gets, I think it's five and a half days rest from game one because he's not playing game two. So that's a huge benefit with a rolled ankle to get that much rest and to be going back already have taken home court advantage away from New York. So big plus there for Miami because it was clear in that game too, even though it was close and certainly Miami had a chance to win down the stretch, they needed Jimmy Butler to be that um, that scorer when when they just need someone to get a bucket without any plays being called. So big advantage there. What did, what did we make of the first two games of that series? Uh, I mean, I think the one thing we learned is if Jimmy's not healthy, um, New York are going to win this series. I mean, I think um, we all know, and we spent <laughs> near near forty five minutes talking about how about Jimmy Butler last last pod. Let's go another forty five. <laughs> yes, yes. And I think I think we all know what Jimmy is capable of. Um, and uh, you know, in terms of you know, you talk about MVP. Uh, you know, if you take a player out, how valuable are they to the team? I think Jimmy buckets in the playoffs is the one player. When you take him out of Miami Heat, um, you know they they wouldn't get out of the the first round. Like, um, and and now we're asking them to compete against a a red hot New York with Jalen Brunson playing very well, Randall's playing well, RJ Barrett playing well. So they're firing, and um, you know, no, like no Jimmy Butler is certainly um, you know certainly hurt them in the in the second game. Um, so I was was reading up on Jimmy Butler. Apparently, um, Shams said that uh, he's told that Jimmy Butler wanted to play game two, but they just said he probably wasn't just right. Um, I mean, I think if you're saying that he wanted to play game two and he's just missed out on it, you're right. I think he'll be back game three, and then that'll be a different story. But um, yeah, no, like no Jimmy, no heat in in my opinion, and. Um, he needs to, he needs to I mean he needs to be healthy this series and every series that they are playing against because if he's not you know it's done you answered my, you, you you are well you didn't answer my question buckets but I was going to actually ask do either of you know why why there was such a big break between <laughs> between the games because I think it just must, I noticed must just be travel must just yeah. be I think it's a I think it's a three hour maybe a four hour flight from New York down to Miami that's the only yeah. thing I can do because the Lakers Warriors series is every other day being in the same state so mm-hmm. to me it it could only be a travel thing going back to yeah. Miami. Probably, probably yeah. just a just another example of NBA rigging for they they want to put bumps on seats with Jimmy Jimmy Butler, so give him an extra few days rest. Why not? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Let's benefit Miami over New York. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I must admit, 
Uh, that that yeah. game too, the the fact that Miami were right in it till three minutes to go and it took Jalen Brunson hitting some big shots late, that gives me huge confidence that the Miami Heat are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. It, and it just further demonstrates how good that that team and how good Spo is at at moving pieces without Jimmy moving pieces around and. Well, I think six minutes ago, they were, thereabouts, they were up six. Then, then yep. New York got a, a four-point play, which basically turned the game around. But like they were, as you say, they were right there, right yep. there. And New York, yes, they closed it, but it wasn't convincing to me. Yes. Like I was like, they, they still don't look like that. That if the, if the game is there to be won and Jimmy's on the court, I, the, everyone's going to say ten times out of ten, Miami's going to win over over New York and what they've got. Um, but I just love the defense in this series. Like two hard nosed rough, rugged <laughs> defensive teams. Um, and that garden was rocking. Like, uh, you can hear it through the TV. Like, that must have been insane to be to be in, uh, in the garden in, in New York. Obviously, they haven't been in the playoffs for, for a little while. And uh, <laughs> to get a playoff win, um, big time. And then, obviously, shout out to uh, to Josh Hart eating his, mm-hmm. his pizza in, in his post-game press, press conference, which uh, I'm sure he'll have free pizza for life now after that advertising. Yes, no doubt, no doubt. So the other Eastern Conference series going on is the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics. And in a big turn up, an Embiid-less Philadelphia 76ers took care of game one in the garden. Well, I don't even know if it's called the garden anymore, but in Boston Garden with James Harden turning back the clock with a 45-piece, including the step-back three go-ahead basket with eight seconds to go. I don't think anyone would have picked picked that, um, and that's really just made that a series that everyone thought with him beat out was going to be an easy one for the, for Boston. But we've got a real show now. I heard an interesting point on the on the James Harden thing. Obviously, we know James Harden's resume, and a bit like I was just talking about the Knicks looking a bit down the stretch. If it was a close game, you'd put your faith in Jimmy. You don't really put your faith in James Harden in the playoffs. No. Like that's pretty pretty proven over time, but. I did hear a good point about where he's at in his career and sort of what his role is about his, he, he plays a lot of point guard nowadays, distributing, you know, getting other guys involved in that game one. He was like, score first James Hunt. And they're like, maybe that's what they need. Maybe they need to try and get him out of this set the table, score first James Harden. Embiid's obviously not right with his, his knee. Um, just, just go, James Harden. You, you, when you get the ball, you are looking to score first every time. Don't worry about setting everybody up. We'll, we'll get that sorted. And I was like, that's actually not it. Because then, obviously, when Embiid was back in Game Two, that you just watching, just watching the two games, you can see the difference in the way James Harden's mindset is and what he's trying to do. And maybe it's something they need to try. Um, although they just, they just had a rough game too, so it's a bit hard to just use it off one game. But I thought it was an interesting point that he, he, he clearly had a different view because Embiid wasn't there. And is it necessarily a bad thing to say, oh, you've got to take your foot off the pedal now that Embiid's back? Like, no, 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 keep, keep doing that. Like, that's what we need you to do. We need you to be you, not try and be someone that you're not. Um, I mean, for me, um, I think from a Celtics perspective, Brogdon's been huge for them um, as a six-man off the bench. Like he, um, what has he dropped? 20, 20 points with one turnover in game one. And then he's dropped 23 with zero turnovers off the bench game two. Um, you know, I mean, in game two, Jason Tatum could take just take a rest and pretty much not have to do anything. And he scored seven points, which I think in a, you know, playoff 
um, playoff series and uh, multiple playoff runs. If you can get rest into your stars, that goes a long way because you you know you get to Eastern Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals, or the finals. You know you can have a lot of gas players. Um, you know I still think that um, whilst Philly played well game one and took him by surprise and Embiid's back. I know he's not as healthy. I know James Harden's potentially an X factor, but Reggie's right. You can't trust James Harden in the playoffs. Um, I still think Celtics are, Celtics will close this out um, probably in six, maybe five. Um, I just I just can't see Philadelphia being able to match defensively and offensively the weapons that, that Celtics seem to have. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Game three um, is is going to be you know if Philadelphia get that um, you know really starts to make it worrisome for Boston. But if Boston come and win game three, then they'd feel good. Okay, we've got our home court advantage back. Embiid's not quite right, and you know they they go on with it. But if Philadelphia manage to get that game three and go up two one, and they have to then still play at home in game four. Yeah, that's when things start to get tight for Boston. I feel like Boston's a team that, you know, when things are going well and they're confident, you know, they everything works well for them. I'm, I'm not sure how they're going to go um, when the adversity really starts to hit. So um, it'd be interesting to see. I'll certainly be tuning in for game three of that one. Um, and hopefully Embiid, you know, with a little bit more rest, um, his knee will be a little bit better. On the Western Conference side of things, we've got the Denver Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns. Denver has taken game one and two of that one fairly convincingly. Uh, Jokic is doing whatever he wants. Jamal Murray is doing whatever he wants. Um, certainly on the other side, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker have been good, um, but they haven't even looked like winning either of those two games. And now Chris Paul is out for at least a week, which takes us through his game three to five. So how are we feeling as a Phoenix Suns fan being down 2-0 with Chris Paul out for the next three games? I mean, look, it you know, it's not good. We know that we know that Chris Paul has terrible luck come playoffs. Um I honestly thought this might have been the year that he had a bit of uh, a bit of good luck go his way. Um, I mean, you're not you're not wrong. De- Denver are, are playing real real well at the moment. Um, I just don't think Phoenix have an answer to Jamal Murray and Jokic doing pick pick and rolls. I think that that's um, difficult to defend, um, and they're they're probably one real good defender away because Kevin Durant is doing it on both ends of the floor and um, it's not sustainable. I mean, I do hope, you, you know, you go you go back home in front of the Phoenix Suns crowd, you get the momentum, um, you know, Booker and, and Durant can catch fire a little bit. Um, you know, with Chris Paul out, does that mean that Booker takes on a bit more of the load and you even, you know, start making Kevin Durant a bit more of a point, create your own shot, which I think, you know, could be an interesting dynamic. But... Yeah, look, Phoenix are in a bit of trouble, but I I think if we can take game three, um, and you know keep home court advantage, at least if you can, if you can go in and even this up two two each, you've only got to win you know um, two of three, which I think is the mindset you're going to have to roll with because there's no point stewing on the last two games. There's no point talking about how you know how much they beat you. There's no point like you know, they're gone. Your mindset now has to be let's take care of um, let's take care of the series at home. 
Reg, do you think Phoenix has any chance of making this a series? Very, very small chance. I think there's two things that stand out to me. One is what Kevin Durant said after game one. Denver's a good team. <laughs> they should not be surprising anyone. Like they are, they, 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 they've been coming for a little while. You know, they haven't quite got there yet, but I feel like, yeah, they've, they've gone through the process of getting better, of adding pieces. And I feel like they're now in that position where, you know, they're, they're ready to actually go for the whole thing. So that's number one. Number two, obviously, with Chris Paul being out, they sold their farm, Phoenix, to get Kevin Durant to have Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and obviously Aiton. They, they have very little depth outside of that. We talk about sort of in in the playoffs how important the role players are because you know what you're going to get from the stars. Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant and Devin Booker have been good. Who else has done anything? They scored four points off the bench in game two. Four. They lost by ten points. The other um, the other team I think had either fourteen or fifteen. There's the ten point difference right there in the bench. Like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker can't start. They can't come off the bench. They can't do it all. You know, so somebody else. And I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's the Kogi, they've got TJ Warren on that roster. He hasn't seen any clock. Like, they're not even scoring enough to win a game. Like, so, and they've got two elite scorers. So, I just worry that their depth is just not going to be enough. They're going to have to try something different because if they just keep trying what they did in games one and two, this, this, yeah, this is not them good. No, and, and that's the hard thing is they, we, my biggest question mark was was how Aiden was going to go on Jokic because he was the only one that was going to have any chance and it just hasn't worked. They got no answer for Jokic. And I didn't expect that Jamal Murray would have his way as much as he does. So Denver have got a huge advantage that their two best players, Phoenix, have no one that can do anything with them. So we always talk about don't get beat by what you know. What do they you have to give something up. They're giving up everything to two guys. So, yeah, you can shut down the other three, but those two guys will beat you by themselves because you've got absolutely no answer for them. And now with Chris Paul out, it just makes that even harder on the offensive side of things because that makes Dev Booker and Durant's job even harder on the offensive. And you say, they're already not scoring enough, and now you take away a guy that can get them easy baskets and now they've got to get more points scoring harder baskets. So it's, you know, that's what happens when you put all your eggs in the one basket. You 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 risk that if injury occurs. And we saw that in Brooklyn. It's the same formula there. You, you know, you've got this huge top-end talent, but if you lose any of that top-end talent, there's nothing coming up from the bottom. So that just creates this huge chasm um, for them. So... Yeah, to me, it looks like this is going to be a very short series, five at most. And, I mean, Den- Denver also have, have had game one, um, Porter Jr. was good. Game two, KCP was good. Like, their role players are even so, – so even if you took out the two, two from each side, you take out Jokic, you take out Murray, you take out KD, you take out Booker, and you just have those teams. Like, Denver is far better <laughs> – than Phoenix is when you when you take those sort of top four, top two from each team out. So that they're going to need those sorts of games from guys that you don't expect. To, they need Cam, Cameron Payne to come out and have fifteen plus points. They need a Aiton to have twenty and fifteen. Like they just, they're just going to need these other guys because you're going to get what you're going to get from KD. He's going to have a forty point game or forty five point game easily in the next either game three or game four. But again, if he's only, if he's scoring that and Booker's scoring thirty, there's seventy. 
where's the other points coming from? Like, mm. yeah, you're spot on. There's been a bit of talk over the last couple of days, given that the series is at um, 2-0 and, you know, with Chris Paul out. What happened last year with Brooklyn getting swept in the first round? Well, if anything, if they do get swept, does that do anything for Kevin Durant negatively in terms of his career and his legacy? I mean, I think that that, I think people will will say that it, that it does, and um, you know, I think you know they're going down to a number one seed if they lose. They're going down to a dual MVP. Um, they're going down to a healthy Nuggets. Like you know that that'll be you know the equivalent of you know if you know if Denver make the the Western Conference Finals and and Lakers make and then the Lakers uh, sorry the the Nuggets beat the Lakers, it's like, oh, well, LeBron can't now get it done. Like, I just sort of think, you know, like the, the Nuggets are a good team and they're going to they're going to be a tough beat for Phoenix. I know that Phoenix is backer against the wall. You know, they really need to, to win at least one of the first two. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, you're looking at Kevin Durant now who's, you know, I would say coming to the – I mean, he's still balling, but he's not 29-year-old Kevin Durant anymore, you know. So he's – he has to continue to put up um, big numbers and show up to games when he's had a ruptured Achilles, multiple injuries. Like, you know, his, his body's getting worse as well. So, look, I think people will say it does. I mean, you know, like, like any of these stars, if they don't win championships, that everyone says it hurts their legacy when they, when they could potentially win it. So, you know, in my mind, it is what it is. They, they have to get one. They have to get one. Like it or, or like it or not, if they don't get one, it hurts. It hurts Kevin Durant. It hurts Devin Booker. It's just the way it's going to be. Like you got to get one. You can't get swept. That's you know. And we and as we know, every single season, if you're looking for a reason why someone had an easier ride to the finals, you're going to find it because stuff happens every single year. But the flip side of that is people still get criticised no matter what. So they have to get one. If they get one, if they say win game three, lose game four, and, and lose in five, to me a gentleman's sweep won't hurt them nearly as much as as a full sweep would. I think that makes it's only one game, but I think it makes a huge difference because then they'll go injuries. Yeah, no, it makes sense, you know. But Kevin Durant still came out and had that, you know, forty eight in game three, and and was like, I'm not, I'm not losing this game. Yeah, you know, he's still dominant. Those sorts of things, like it really changes the narrative, which is strange considering it's one game, but that's just the way it works. I mean, the thing for me, and I guess, you know, Buckets, this is kind of directed more towards you. Like you talk about, you know, they sold the farm to get Kevin Durant and made their team depth um, poor. I mean, start of this year, Lakers pretty much did that, getting, you know, Westbrook in. Like they were very thin and it was really by luck of circumstance that someone was happy to take Westbrook's contract and pay him out that, that Lakers were even remotely able to rebuild and get a little bit of depth. I mean, you know, where, and I think that's, I think the thing for me is Kevin Durant does this and there's lots of talk about, you know, oh, this is going to hurt his legacy. I mean, with Lakers, it's like none of this has fallen on LeBron who supposedly LeBron was the one who said they need to get Westbrook 
and they he wanted Westbrook. And then as soon as everything was going wrong, it wasn't LeBron's fault. It was Westbrook's fault. They trade Westbrook away, and LeBron gets good role players around. And now he's back to being the savior. And in my mind, if if that trade never happens and they don't get good depth players and good role players like Rui Hachimura and um, you know D'Angelo Russell and you know those players to actually help complement Lakers. Lakers aren't, aren't probably aren't making the playoffs, and the scapegoat will still be Russell Westbrook, not LeBron James, which I think is an incorrect narrative. Would so you what, agree with something with, like that? What's that got to do with Kevin Durant about to get swept, though? Well, I mean, they sold their farm. They haven't got. They they potentially don't have the depth next season if they retool and they actually are able to get some depth players in. It'll be interesting to see what they do with their roster. Like they had to sell their farm at the last minute, you know, at the trade deadline to get this. They don't have a chance to reassess and make some moves now. You know, I think next year will be telling as well about what they do and how they retool. Um, because you are right, they are lacking some some bench depth. Um, and I think now people talk about Kevin Durant's legacy being hurt. Off, off a season where he got traded to Phoenix Suns and, Sun and has played like, I don't know, 12 games for them or something like that. And this is now going to go down as, oh, Kevin Durant can't get it done. He's played 12 games, like all, you know, 14 games with the Phoenix Suns in this current lineup. Like it's, to me, it's it's um, it's premature. And, um, you know, I, I can probably cop, cop a hit on it come next season if they retool and he plays 69 games, 70 games, 80 games, um, and they don't make playoffs or they make get swept first round, you can probably go, yeah, Kevin Durant has done, played all season, got all the way through, and they got swept in the first round of the playoffs. That hurts his legacy. I mean, I'll cop that. I don't think I'm going to cop him going to the Phoenix Suns in, in the, at the 11th hour and playing 12 games as, as his legacy being hurt because he doesn't win a game against Nuggets. Like To me, I just think that's, you know, and I think that if if the same thing had happened to LeBron at the trade deadline and he didn't win, that is exactly the narrative that LeBron James fans would be saying. Do you think they would, if LeBron did get swept, they would say that that was a stain on his legacy? Of course. Is it correct? Probably not. But they would say it. The same thing will happen with Kevin Durant. Like, it, like that's that's the nature of what the media will try and do and what players will try and do with, you know, to, to get a story, to get some clickbait, you know, of course they will. If you if you write an article and says Kevin Durant can't can't get it done, he's clearly no good. He clearly needs Chris Paul. He clearly clearly needs this. You know, it's not going to matter if he played twelve games or twenty games or one game for Phoenix Suns. That's that's what the narrative is going to be. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I I certainly don't think it's going to hurt his legacy. To me, it just shows it's just more evidence of who Kevin Durant is. So, Kevin Durant is one of the best basketball players that has ever played in the NBA. You can put him on any team and he'll be able to do whatever he wants to do. He'll give you 30 and 10 anywhere, anytime on any team. He's just not a leader, and that's okay. And I think what will come out of this is if they do end up getting swept, certainly for him and Devin Booker, because Devin Booker, remember, is coming off, getting blown out by 30 on their home floor in a Game 7, is 
They are tremendous basketball players. They're just not leaders. And when things get really hard, they can let go of the rope. Someone that is a leader in a team and in an organization and has that fight in them doesn't allow a team to blow to be up 40 in a game seven on your home floor. You know, you're probably not going to beat that Dallas Mavericks team the way they were playing that game. But a leader is able to make sure that you don't go down by that much. To go down by that much, everyone has just lost all confidence and has just let go of the rope and the game has just gone from you. The same with getting swept in a series. Get one. All you do is get one. You still lose in five, but you don't let go of the rope and be like, okay, well, we've got injuries, we've got no depth, and we let a team just run through them. We've seen so many examples over the years where one player has a game, and Kevin Durant did it when they got hurt in Brooklyn in 2021. He took that game five from the Milwaukee Bucks just by pure will. So he needs to do that again. If he doesn't, that's now two series in a row that he hasn't been able to just get one on that pure will. So a leader of an organization, a team, would be able to galvanize enough people within that organization just to get one, even when you're faced with huge adversity. So I think that would be what would change for me if they do end up just... And they haven't been in either of these games. Like... Even if they, they have to look like they've got a chance in, in either of these next two games. Because if you don't, then you start to question, you know, they're happy just out there playing the game, playing really, really well, being tremendous basketball players, but they just don't have that extra bit where, okay, we're going to fight no matter what's up against us. Yeah. So let's talk Lakers-Warriors. So game two was today. Now, unfortunately for me, the Lakers dropped that one, but they have got home court advantage now after taking game one in that series, and they go back home with the series tied 1-1. Now, interesting game today. I I always knew it was going to be a tough one to win given the amount of effort that they had to um, put out in game one to win that. So both AD and LeBron played um, near 45 minutes in those games. So given that they're a team that isn't going to be able to go full throttle the entire time. It was always going to be a challenge to win this game. And it was going to be, if everything was going right for them, they would be in it. But as soon as things didn't quite go their way, that um, Golden State would certainly get back on top because they were a desperate team that couldn't afford to lose both games at home. And that's what we saw. In the first half, they managed to stay with them. Towards the back end of the second quarter, they got the Warriors got out to a double-digit lead, and then the third quarter just absolutely blew it out. And you could tell that the Lakers were a bit like in tennis where you give away a couple of games knowing that you've lost the set and they're going to reset for, for the next one. By the time we got to halfway through that third quarter, you knew the Lakers weren't going to come back, so then they're going to just reset to go back home and start the series in Los Angeles. Um what do you guys make of the 1-1 one, one series in the Lakers-Warriors? Um, for me, AD needs to start being the consistent hero for them. Like he he was great in 
in game game one. He he pretty much was the the you know one of the main reasons why they why they won that game. You know, thirty points, twenty three rebounds, five assists, four blocks. Like he was doing it all. Um, then you switch to to game game two today. Eleven points, three blocks, seven rebounds. Like he. You know, for for I think for Los Angeles Lakers to to win this series, AD needs to be that consistent player. If he if he keeps every second game has this lull, um, you know, I think Golden State Warriors will just continue to blow to blow um, blow games out. As we know, we can, as as we know, they can. Like, you know, I think Golden State Warriors are one of the only teams in the league that you can be like, yeah, we're within scoring range. You know, we're within scoring range. We've got only five down. We'll be right, and then. I don't know ninety seconds goes by and you're then down by fifteen and you're like, how did that happen? Um, you know, they they just have the ability to put points on the board quickly. Um, you know, and I think if Clay keeps playing like he did today, um, <laughs> Lakers are going to be in for a very rude shock. Um, you know, uh, but to me, AD is the king, like the, the the king to this series. Um, LeBron James, I think LeBron James, you're right. LeBron James will do what he always does. He'll always give you at least, you know, 25 points. He'll give you at least six or seven rebounds. He'll generally at least give you six or seven assists most most times. Like, I think he's a consistent. AD is, is where it's at. And then you've just got to hope that, you you know, like every playoff series, some of the role players just have that stand up and, you know, score a 15 points or 20 points. Um doesn't matter who that is. Doesn't matter if that's Rui. Doesn't matter if that's Russell. Doesn't matter if that's Reeves. One of them's got to do it. Um, yeah. In in my mind, that's that's like AD is, is where this series is hinged on. Um, realistically, I'm not sure what your thoughts are, Reg. Yeah, it's spot on. I think, uh, and this is a question for you, Buckets, because I must admit I haven't seen actually much of the the footage today, other than a few highlights and some press conferences, but. I feel like when AD's playing the way that we all know AD can play, he's he's doing a little bit of everything. And what I mean by that is on the offensive end, he's not just scoring in, in one way. We know what he's like on defense. He's, been, he's just been exceptional on defense basically these entire playoffs. But on the offensive end, I feel like you know, there'll be something that works for him so well in game one or, or a game Sure, adjustments are made, but they're not a made like they're not made that drastically that all of a sudden he he sort of goes away from what works for him. I don't know. I just got this sense today that from basically what I've seen that they were using him in pick and roll, like and not even just going. Let's just get him in the post. Let's let him go to work. Let's get him a, get him a few buckets. You know, once you see the ball go in the ring a few times, conference goes up. The mid range starts to come. Then comes the three ball. You know, pick and rolls. They've got to pay more attention to him. All the stuff that was working in game one from from the very small snippets, and I, I must say it's a small sample size for me. But am I wrong in that? Were they was he used differently, or was he? And again, if that's the case, is it on him? Like, does he need to be like, now nah, get me the bloody ball here, because I'm sure LeBron would say, fine, you tell me what you want it, I'll give it to you. You know what I mean? Like, is it? He just seems to be a bit of a frustrating guy, AD. Yeah, so I think there was a few things that played into today's game. So, so one, Kevon Looney was sick. So, Jermichael Green came into the starting lineup. So, Jermichael Green's a very different player to Kevon Looney. Kevon Looney is certainly not a three point threat, whereas Jermichael Green um, can hit threes from the corner. So, there's a different look there. They put Drame on him um, for pretty much the entire first half. 
So that's a very different look to to Gavon and Looney because obviously they make that adjustment from game one because Looney couldn't stay with him at all. Um, so we know Draymond's a defensive player of the year. So you know that he's – and it's a very different matchup to what AD would be used to. So he was being very physical with him, pushing him off his spots. AD had probably three or four looks in the first quarter that he would normally knock down, and he missed them. He's the type of guy, I think, that you know if he shoots four they shots, five in. shots, and they don't go in, he thinks, well, I, I can do so much else on the basketball court. We know what he's like on the defensive end. And so he, I think he just then tends to focus on that and be like, well – I'm, he's not a Kobe type that's going to be like, okay, I'd rather go one for 20 than be one for nine. He's like, okay, if I'm one for nine, I'm going to be one for nine and I'll just make sure I'm tremendous defensively. I set great picks um, and do that sort of thing to get other guys open rather than trying to, to score himself. So I think that's what happened today um, for AD. Yes, we're seeing the up and downs through the first series, and we're probably going to. I think it's just who AD is. It's he's a defensive first guy that learned how to be an offensive guy. So when it's not immediately going on the offensive end, he's going to do something different. And you know, maybe it's something from the Lakers where they don't want to have a steady diet of AD being the dominant score every single game, so that teams can see and make adjustments for that. They can have it every other game because he only needs to be it four times. So he had it in game one and they won. He doesn't necessarily have to do it seven games in the series. Do it four times as long as they win those four games, we're good. So I think there's a bit going on there. And look, he'll make adjustments to being guarded by Draymond to if he then gets Looney or Jermichael Green um, in in game three. So it, it was certainly an interesting game today watching one thing I was very impressed with is, as I said before, don't get beat by what you know. They did a really good job on Steph Curry in the first half. They made him a pass um, first guy, which opens up someone like Clay to have the night that he had. You know, even Jermichael Green, I think, was three from six from the field. Draymond scored some buckets because you're not giving up the threes. Um, DiVincenzo hit a couple of threes. So I'll live with that. If we lose this series because Clay averages 30, DiVincenzo averages 12, Jermichael Green averages 10, Draymond Green averages 10, and Steph averages 15, and you lose to that, what you got to give something up. I don't want to lose Steph scoring 35 because we know he can do that. So I was very impressed with that side of thing. And credit to, to Steph, he had, I think, nine assists to halftime. So he was just picking apart in terms of – and that's what great players do. You take something away and they hurt you in other ways. But – I would much rather lose that way than lose to him having seven threes and and doing what he does to every other team. So that was impressive from the Lakers. But as I said, come the second half, once it got out to twenty points, they were like, "Look, we got one in. We got one here. We stole home court. Let's reset going into game three. I think you just made a really good point. I can't, someone said this recently, and I wish I remember who, but I can't remember now that. When that adversity hits and the going get going gets tough, people revert to who they really are. And that's maybe what, as you say, with AD being a defensive first guy, when he's in that position, it's like, well, I know defense. If yeah. it was Kevin Durant, he's like, I know how to put the ball in the hoop. So that's what I'm going to do. Like, yeah, and, that, and they were talking about how the greats know how to fight through that to actually go, no, 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 I'm not just going to revert to who I am. I'm also going to be able to have the mental strength to continue to do, you know, do it at the other end. Um, so you, you, I think you, that's probably a good point there with AD is he's just reverting to what I know I can definitely do no matter what. No matter what they yep. do, I know I can play defense. 
Yeah, you know? which we showed again another another three blocks. Like yeah, you could just yeah. lock that in every single game. Three plus blocks. Yeah, yeah. But it is, it's it's interesting watching LeBron too, like as I said before, like this is a team that's not going to be able to go full throttle every game. They're going to have to pick their spots and just hope when they they need to, when they pick their spots, win those games. Like they, they put, they exerted so much effort in game one. If, if the Warriors ended up winning that, then that would have been a huge gut punch to the Lakers because they're just picking their spots of when they go full noise and when they do, they have to pick those games up if they want to continue to go in these playoffs. So I expect game three, LeBron certainly will be going full throttle, and I, I expect AD the same because they'll want to pick that first one up and go up 2-1, and then game four again will be a game where it'll be more feel-out. You know, you know they'll, obviously they'll want to try to win, and being at home, the role players obviously are going to benefit from that, but it won't be the same level of exertion that you're going to see in game three because they have to get that game three. So it's, it's going to be very interesting to watch, whereas you know, all throughout that run with Miami and, and Cleveland, LeBron was just full noise every single game. Like you could almost book 35 plus, 10, 9. You're not going to see that in these runs. He's going to pick his spots. Like the first half he was picking spots, he had 20 plus in the first half. But then when he saw the game get away in that third quarter, you know, he, I think he only had four points in the second half because he's like, okay, no point exerting all this energy. I've got to, I've got to pick my spots now. Going back to what you said earlier about the the um, schedule, obviously the fact they play every other day in this series, does that concern you? Given exactly what you just said, but there it is, certainly there, does. No significant breaks, you know, in between. The only benefit there is the travel. I think it's a one-hour flight from LA to to Golden State, so they're going to have plenty of time to get their treatment. It was four hours back and forth from Memphis, um, so that's the one benefit. But, yeah, certainly not ideal. Um, Golden State's an older team too, so, um, you know, Draymond, Clay, Steph, they're all going to be having to get the the same amount of treatment. The, The great thing about playoffs is it doesn't matter how much you lose by and how good some players are, you still only get one. Like, Clay was phenomenal. But it's still only one win. Yeah. So I feel good yeah. about that because as as good as Clay is, he has one of those games left in him in each series. I feel so he, he gave us that, and he'll just be normal Clay the rest of the way. Now we've just got to make sure we handle Steph and the and I don't see DiVincenzo and and Jamichael Green shooting the way they did. And you know, game three, that's a big one to get. Um, out of interest, buckets where. This series, what do you what do you see? Do you see Lakers in six? Do you see Lakers in seven? Do you see Golden State? What like what do you think? He comes over oh. to Golden State in five. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, like, 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 look, look, you, you're on record every year to say that the dynasty is over for Golden State, and I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure that if Golden State win this series and they lose against Nuggets, you'll be like, yeah, I told you the dynasty was over. Like, you know, at, <laughs> no, at, at some, at some point. Over. <laughs> at some point, you've got to face reality, mate, and realize that this team is no, a damn good team. It's over. It's over, and, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, they, are, you know. they are a very good team. They are. Look, I, it, it's it's going at least six. The way I see this, this playing out, as I said, they'll come out full noise to win game three. Hopefully, then they'll, they'll play really well in game four and get that one. I then suspect... They'll go back to the Chase Centre and get beaten fairly handily, and then they'll put everything into winning back at home in Game Six. 
if they don't happen to be able to close it out in game six, they'll then have to, LeBron will then go into that that mode of whatever it takes to have to win game seven um, in the chase center is the way I see the series playing out. I think they'll split in LA and it will be a best of three, best of yeah. three series. I, I, would, I would agree with that. And I think that, I think that Golden State at home are too hard. Uh, like I know that I said this last last pod, and Sacramento managed to get, you know, get it get a win at Golden State. But I, I just think that Golden State is so hard to beat at home, and you know, you might be able to pick up one. Are the Lakers with AD going into his shell fifty percent of the game so far? Um, you know, I, I just I th- I think Golden State is so good at home, and if they can split in LA. Um, again, I think that it'll be Golden State in seven at the you know at the very least. I mean, the good thing with AD is just based on his schedule in this series. If he plays good every second game, that means one, three, five, and seven he'll be on. Mm. So that works in the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, you're also you're also not considering that you know Steph Steph you know Steph had a quiet game today from what kind of buckets. I mean, not, I mean, not not super quiet, but like you know he but not like because Steph was quiet. The, the because of the defense, he was quiet. They weren't allowing him to even shoot the ball. I mean, I mean, Steph had twenty points, twelve assists, mm. like, and he shot. 58, 7 of 12 from the, from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. So he shot 58% from the field, 60 from 3, and 100% from the free throw line. So even if Steph's giving you 20 and 12 assists, like if he's getting 12 assists, you can guarantee you that 4 or 5 of them are probably to a 3-ball from Clay or Jordan Poole or, you know, DiVincenzo, like one of those. Like, you, you know, I think that if Steph gives you over 10 assists and gives you at least 20, you probably presume Golden State are going close to getting the win, and that's all Steph I think needs to do. I mean, I think he'll have he'll have a game where he'll come out and you know he'll get up thirty shots like he has done, and probably score forty points or fifty points one of the games, and you know Lakers will lose that, and that's what I mean. I think that you know even if you say that AD has to win has to play four good games, I think that even when if, if AD does play a f- four good games, at least one of those games has the potential for him to lose. Um, mm purely because Steph could match him and drop 45. Um, I think I think Buckets is right, though, about Darvin Ham's like, game plan in terms of defending the Warriors. Would you rather live with Steph you know, putting up 35, 40-plus or, or Clay hitting eight of 11 threes every game? Now, I'm not saying Clay's not good, but mm. to me it's a very clear choice as to what you want to try and do. Get oh, the ball out of Steph's hands. And hope that somebody else. They're obviously you got you got to give you got to give someone a shot because you can't. Yeah. If you're going to work that hard on getting the ball out of someone's hands, you got to give someone yeah. a shot. Is Devin Chenzo going to go whatever he did today? Jamichael Green going to go whatever he did today? Clay may Clay may do it, but are those other guys going to do it consistently? Yeah, hard to, uh, and, hard to yeah. And I mean, I mean that comes down to Steph's character too. Like I think one of the hardest things, or one of, one of the hard things that superstars could potentially learn is. If you're playing hard against Steph and you're just trying to stop him from scoring, and then Steph gets up 25 shots still and he shoots seven of 25 instead of seven and 12, that's what you want Steph to be doing when you're playing him. You still want him to force those shots. If he's not forcing those shots and he's still shooting a good clip and and distributing the ball because he's able to get players open, like that is a good sign of just how good Steph is to know that he doesn't necessarily have to drop 40 points for them to be effective. If if they're overplaying him, he can just quite as easily break through defences and and find the open man and, and swing the ball quickly. And, you know, 
and put him to the put him to the sword that way. Which, you know, if Steph continues to do that and doesn't try and shoot himself out of out of it, um, you know, I think Lakers can be in trouble. But then we'll, you we'll just, see. Then you just tip your cap to him and say, "Well done. We couldn't. Mm. That that was our best chance to beat you, and." We you you were able to to do it, and that's that's what good players and good teams do. And you walk away, but I suspect that those twelve assists today ends up being six assists the next game because those guys don't hit those shots. So yeah, you know, I think yeah. You know, so if he gives you if he averages twenty and twelve this series, you're right, they win, and you just say shake their hand at the end and say, well done. We couldn't have done any more to to beat you, but I don't suspect that. They'll hit those shots, so those those twelve assists get cut in half, and you're in a much better position to win the game because we know yeah. he can score. We know he could average forward near sleep if he wanted to. Mm. Yeah. In other words, Tom, he's, he, he's not doing a, a Kobe in 2004 and going. Oh, I'm just going to keep trying to get my offense going. Yeah, that's that's oh, that's, 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 that's what I mean. Like the like like the difference of that would be Kobe, Kobe would be like, you want to you want to overplay me? Fine, I'll shoot over two of you. Like yeah. you know, like it, it's it's not like oh, I'm there's two on me or three on me. I've got someone open. It's like I'll still shoot. Whereas I don't I don't think Steph has that mentality. You know, I think that um, yeah, no, nah. nah, he wants to win. Yeah, so he knows the best way to win. Okay, so that's all playoffs. So we've got tomorrow's games. We have game three of the Philadelphia-Boston series and game three of the Phoenix Nuggets series. So tomorrow we'll have a fair idea with both those series where they end up. Boston winning fairly, then we know that that's probably going to be a comfortable series for them. And obviously if Denver win, then yeah, that's um, all, all but over there. So interesting day tomorrow with those results. And then Sunday is going to be a, a big day with Miami Heat jumping back on and the Lakers in game three. So very exciting for that one. The Miami Heat, that's going to be an early start. So set your alarms. I think it's 5.30 start for that one, which is always fun. Ooh, um, thank you. Let's talk World Cup. So last pod, we were one day away from the drawing of the draft and the groups for the FIBA World Cup 2023. And Australia has been drawn into Group E, which will be playing out of uh, Okinawa in Japan, which is a small island about three hours from Tokyo. They've been grouped with Japan, Finland and Germany to play there. Um, and so they'll play those three teams in the group stage. And then once they switch into the second round of the group phase, they'll go against Group F, which contains Slovenia. So the Kodoncic crew, uh, I'll probably get these wrong, Cape Vede, Georgia yeah, and Venezuela. So a fairly easy run, I think, for Luca and the boys. We have a fairly tough draw. Certainly, mm. Finland are quite good, Germany. So, um, we're certainly going to be ready for the fight in that stage. So, what are our thoughts getting grouped to Japan against Germany, Finland, and Japan? I was going to. I just want to say it's going to be tough watching the Boomers play Finland when Reg has got the Larry Markinen gear on and uh, not not supporting the Boomers. That's going to be very baby. tough. I'll, be, I'll have Finland across me chest. I'll be so excited. Uh, I mean, yeah, no, yeah, good. It'd be really good. I think it'd be amazing. It'd be a trip of a lifetime. I think I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, I think we have. I think we it's have. A- 
we have been, we have come into a roadblock. So the support for the boomers must be very, very strong because they you could buy follow my team passes, which gave you tickets to all of a country's games. Um, so obviously we wanted to buy a boomers one. They got released on Monday and was sold out by Tuesday night. So we missed out, but single game tickets will come out in June. So we'll jump on and just have to buy single game tickets to each of the Australian games. So certainly there should be a contingent of Aussie fans or people from around the world that really want to watch the Boomers play because only the Australian and the USA um, team passes have sold out. So we're the two most popular teams at this stage. Finland Finland sold out today or Of yesterday. course, Reg, Reg bought them all. Yeah, I bought them all. So. Reg, Reg, <laughs> Reg, Reg just, just, just mortgaged his house and just thought, yeah. you know, I need, I'm going to fill the stadium with just myself. Yeah, what, what house? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, actually, I think the other thing, um, other thing we probably need to talk about is um, ex, ex-Boomers coach, Brian Gorgian. Current um, Boomers coach. Current, current Boomers coach um, has announced ex and current. Ex current. And, I was going to say ex and current because I'm like, yeah. uh, he did coach, but then he didn't coach, and now obviously he's yeah. back. Um, has announced that he thinks there is a good chance that Ben Simmons lines up uh, in the green and gold. And uh, what are your thoughts on that prospect? I think it's I. You sort of read the headlines and get excited. Then you read the context, and it's like okay. And Brian Gorgian is one to know to say some some strange things sometimes without any evidence or anything to back it up, because he's sort of saying, "Yep, yeah, there's a good chance he plays," and blah blah. But then he's sort of saying things like, you know, that we're always got open arms if he wants to come and play, and things like that, which sort of makes it just sound like the door is open, mm. but Ben's not necessarily walking through that door. So yeah, yeah it's. Uh... I mean, I was I was certainly very shocked when I saw it come out in the media <laughs> that you know that that quote, and I was like, yeah. I mean, you know, there's been no indication in the slightest that Ben Simmons would at all join the Boomers in in their FIBA World Cup um, run. So it's just it is interesting though from a coaching perspective and a head coach perspective that you're. Uh, you're, you're announced. I mean, whether that's his plan to go, if I put it out in the media, maybe that further strengthens the arm, arm opening and, and, you know, embrace Ben Simmons. We want you to come in and play. Um, it's a, if it's a message to him, I mean, who knows? But it's Very good very... coach, so wouldn't put it past him to, to mm. think of something like that. This will put the pressure on the big fella. <laughs> Buckets, what are your thoughts? Is, is Ben Simmons, give me a percentage, percentage that Ben Simmons will play Ooh. in the Boomers. Um, in the what, what, what's less than zero? <laughs> no, look, he was he was locked and loaded for those exhibitions against the US in in 2019, and I think it was a week before he pulled out. So this is a maybe playing to me holds no water whatsoever. I I wouldn't even be convinced that Ben Simmons was going to play for the Boomers if he was at the training camp. He was on the list. He was on the plane. He was in the arena. I would not be convinced until that ball goes up and he's standing on that court. So I don't, I don't read into it. I don't look for any updates. I don't get excited because he's just the type that 
even if he said, yep, I'm 100% in, at any time he'll pull the pin. So it just, it's no good for my emotions. It's no good for my heart to, to think that he's going to play. So I am absolutely convinced that he is never going to suit up for the Boomers. And if that changes, that is a huge bonus. Yeah. I mean, this even goes back to the when, when did they have those USA Australia games in Melbourne? Nineteen. We went nineteen, was it? Yeah. And they had all the Ben Simmons merchandise and everything. I bought a Ben Simmons yeah. shirt, and he just didn't play. And ever since then, it's it's been the same sort of rolling story. Um, as we've always said, though, it would be the best thing for him to get around into that culture around those guys. It would be the best thing to happen for him. So hopefully. He's got people in his ear telling him that. Absolutely. Oh, um, sure. The only other thing I want to ask your quick thoughts on, Mark, um, Mark Budenholzer has been uh, fired as the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. A quick take on that. Thoughts? Peace out. Look, we spoke about it last pod. The, the coach... The number one job for a coach in games is to be the mental, um, not savior is not the word, but um, have that not have mental fatigue to make sure you're making clear, appropriate decisions in games uh, because the players are out there fatigued, that it's not their job to have to make those decisions. And he made some very big blunders late in that series that, that's as a coach, that's why you pay a coach money is to make sure that they're making those clear um, decisions late in ball games. So um, championship coach, can't ever take that away from him. Um, but this is this is the NBA. It's a brutal game. And when you make those mistakes, the writing generally is on the wall. It's tough, isn't it? I mean, and even like I'm sure everyone would have seen, you know, the the graphic come out today that, you know, the last four NBA champion Chips that have been won, three of the head coaches of the out of the four have been let go, which I just, just shows how much of a rough industry. The, and the only one left is Steve Kerr, and as soon as this dynasty's over, he's gone. <laughs> well, so he's, he should have been gone last year then. Well, yeah, you got you got one year grace, <laughs> so he's he's got about two weeks left. Make the most <laughs> of it, Steve. Yeah, right, right. No, we did very good. We did get a mailbag question, which we haven't got for a while, and it's Very buckets. Good. It's one that I think is more aimed at you. But it's about LeBron James and how much longer he will play. Nice, nice. The question is, is there any chance, any chance, they, they specified any chance twice in the question, yep. just so you know, that LeBron James goes down the path of someone like Udonis Haslam because of his sheer love for the game and the fact that he wants to play with his sons for as long as possible. Okay, well, it's a little bit to unpack there. I thought when you were saying that, um, was there any chance he would be able to play with Bryce, given that he's just rocketing up the rankings? At the well, moment? I guess if he if he does play ages, then it's yeah, yeah. it's possible. So, uh, look, that's a. To be like Udonis Haslam, and no, just we, we everyone knows how much we love Miami Heat culture and, and UD. For LeBron to get to the stage where he's UD by not by choice, so he might 
say, yes, I, I don't want to play, I'm just going to sit on the bench. For him to get to the level of play that he is just on the sidelines as an assistant coach, the way he's playing at the moment, there might be 15, 20 years down the track. Like, he is still yeah. dominating all, everyone in the league. So, you know, it would have to be by choice. So, you know, to me, certainly he's going to wait around to see what happens with Bronny. I think everyone's reserved to the fact that he's certainly going to um, play out next year at the Lakers and then see what happens with Bronny if he gets drafted. I think it's it's becoming increasingly more likely that he'll then be here long enough to see what happens with Bryce, which I think is another two years after. I think he's two years younger than Bronny. So, you know... <sighs> You so, just, you, it's hard because we always thought about with Tim Duncan too. Like he was dominant for so long. That 2013 final series, he was still by far their best player. Yes, Kawhi won it in 2014, the finals MVP, and Tim Duncan was still very, very good. But the cliff did come very quick for Timmy, and we thought that wasn't necessarily going to happen. And he was, you know, so come 2015, wasn't anywhere near. So, you know, it, a cliff could come quickly for LeBron, but. By the looks of it, he can keep going as long as he wants to. And I think it might come down to off off the court stuff because he's very open about what he wants to do from a team ownership point of view. And you certainly you can't own a team where he's still a player. So whether that um, forces his hand and also his other entrepreneurial stuff in terms of he's got the production company, Spring Hill Entertainment. He's been in movies, so he enjoys the, the acting side of things. Um, he's got the tequila. So, you know, and, you know, Savannah just might say, okay, Time to hang them up. Enough's <laughs> enough. You so, but to me, it's all what whatever he wants to do, he can do. And if he wants to do it as long as you, if he wants to get to a point where he's UD, that could be 2040. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Courtside Hoops podcast. Please follow us wherever you listen to our podcasts. And give our Instagram page a follow as well uh, at courtsidehoops.podcast. And as always, keep sending those mailbag questions in. 